and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Wolf, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, James Burns. Hey, James, how's it going? Yeah, it's going great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited. This is the last real, not real episode, <laughs> the last uh, <laughs> last regular, is what I meant to say, episode before E3, before our, uh, our rollout of E3 content, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but I'm really excited about that. Yeah, me too. This is this is like the first year where we're actually kind of really leaning into the E3 thing in a much bigger way. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think this is what we've... Um, we started this podcast a little bit before E3 last year, mm-hmm. but we didn't quite get to... Uh, we weren't situated. We weren't regular yet. We yep. weren't able to do everything that we wanted to do. And this year, we kind of can i think the only way that could make this better is if like we could both go to e3 and that's uh that that's goals i suppose that's goals for later in in super jump that's that's where we want to grow to um but we're we're gonna do some real cool stuff uh this year for e3 and everyone who listens to the the podcast and everyone who reads the magazine will definitely get the full brunt of that and it's very exciting but let's get on with the show this week there's there's a few things we want to talk about. There's been some new uh, game leaks, some new game uh, an, uh, real announcements, and we've been playing. I'm I'm looking at the things we've been playing. They, they've been kind of weird. So let's get into <laughs> the playtime report. James, what you been playing? Hardly anything lately. I've been doing a lot of travel and stuff for work so um that's where the switch has come in handy i've been going back to splatoon 2 which is kind of my um one of my comfort games that i play in between other stuff now i wouldn't think of splatoon 2 as a plane game that's interesting well i don't really i in on this occasion i didn't really play it on the plane like i had a couple of games with me um and i ended up long story but i ended up sleeping on most of the flight oh yeah that makes sense (laughs) Um, on this occasion um but yeah once i got to the hotel um it was good to have it there with me um and splatoon 2 is just something i kind of dip in and out of here and there i I probably play it a little bit sort of once every week or so and um the other game i've been playing or giving it a good try is warframe um I've been watching some stuff on YouTube about it and I've had some recommendations around it and you know it's always being compared to Destiny as kind of the better game so I thought yeah I'll check it out and give it a go and um, it's really awesome cool it's really really good yeah you you would uh, you would recommend it definitely it it sort of challenges the whole at least in my mind some of the preconceptions around free to play games because you get a lot of really great content for free and the stuff that you pay for is really reasonable like it's you know it, it the game doesn't kind of gate progress based on paying money um, it doesn't lock off levels based on money um, you can really do everything completely for free if you want to it just depends how much time you want to put in well, speaking of weirdly monetized free-to-play games, I've been getting into an old favorite, uh, Pokemon Go. I, I started that again. Uh, well, for that reasons seems very that, timely. 
<laughs> yeah, for for yeah. reasons that will become clear later in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I was interested in seeing, hey, what's what's my Pokemon Go guy up to? It had been honestly almost a year, probably over a year and a half since yeah. I got into Pokemon Go, since I played it last. And like it was two phones ago as well, so I had to make sure <laughs> I knew all of my login stuff. I, I barely got access to my old account, but I ended up figuring it out. And James, the game is very different now, and I'm, I, I, I remember thinking at the time, man, this experience is cool. Everyone's outside. Everyone's talking about Pokemon, and it's just everyone in the world is doing this at once. Yeah. And that was very interesting and cool. And I don't know if we will ever see another video game craze like that. But at the same time, the game was not particularly great. The game is. It, it, it was a lot of tapping, a lot of just randomly doing things. There there were loot boxes before that was an issue. I think I can honestly say now, with the things that have been added and changed since I, since I played last, the combat is still a little whack, but I think I like this game now. I think it's a good video game now. That's really um, good to hear. Because yeah. I remember it being... I remember early on... Well, early on, you know, probably at least for the first few months, it was, aside from the game itself having some issues, I know they were having a lot of big server problems like connectivity issues and... Absolutely, There yeah. were all sorts of problems, yeah. Niantic uh, is not a company that works fast, but I did give them a lot of time. And yeah. it, it's a different game now. There's there's daily cool. quests, so like it, it pays to just do a little something every day uh you can make progress on like there, there's a mew quest going on that is a uh, i'm sure everyone that's been playing pokemon go is like yelling at me right now as they're <laughs> listening to this podcast because they're like yeah of course of course this is happening this was big um but you can just make a little progress on that every day and then at the at the end of this quest line you can find mew and it's, it's an interesting little thing uh, speaking about things that you're supposed to play every day, or at least living games, I've also been playing uh, Sea of Thieves. I jumped back into it. I mm. was off of it for about a month. I jumped back in to play The Hungering Deep that we talked about last uh, last podcast. And uh, it, it's... Did you get to play any of this yet? No, I haven't tried it. And I haven't even... I've read a little bit about it, but I, I'm not all that familiar with like the reception and that sort of thing. What What do you think? Well, I'd love to play it with you. Um, yeah. We, it's crazy to me. Insane to me that we still haven't been able to work that out time-wise. <laughs> um, we need to play Sea of Thieves together at some point. Mm. Um, and we have about a week and a half left of the Hungering Deep arc. Um, and after that, the quest line is gone, but the things the things it introduces will stay there. So there's a speaking trumpet that's basically it'll carry your voice in-game further so you can communicate with boats a lot faster. Like, they can be kind of far off in the horizon, and you can still put up the uh, the speaking trumpet and talk to them, and you can communicate over long distances. This is cool because if you're not in the mood to fight, and you think, there's a chance that this boat isn't in the mood to fight either, mm. but will scare each other into fighting just because of our presence, you can clear that up from a distance, and that's really cool. Some boats will still very much try to fight you, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it helps to clear up who those are uh, as well. Um, but the coolest thing about this th this new update 
is that it adds a real quest line, something this game has not had, from an NPC on an island, something this game has not had, to go... It, it, it ends with fighting this thing that is known as the Hungering One. And they, mm-hmm. they've put out definitely enough context clues on their main Twitter and like all their social media to figure out what the Hungering One is. But I mm-hmm. guess, for the sake of the podcast, I won't explicitly say what it is. I'll just say that... Um, for a game that felt so repetitive, like I was just doing the same thing over and over again, and barely anything changed every time I was doing it, fighting mm. the hungering one was genuinely scary. It like when when I saw it, I was like, "Whoa!" I I <laughs> it really was a different feeling, and for that, I was very excited. Wow, um, that's very cool. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a good, good sign for the game going forward that they can add very different things yeah yeah that's great to hear yeah would that are are you kind of like out of sea of thieves right now it seems like you were in it a little bit and it's just the time it was time's up for you yeah i mean it, it it really was probably to be fair though like if if i had less stuff to play i probably would still be in it and and i probably would be playing the hungering deep now um, it, it's just a question of like balancing, you know, all the different games. And then, um, you know, as I said before, like for my day job that at the moment, there's a bit of travel and that sort of thing happening. So it, it means that, um, lately I haven't had quite as much time to play as I usually would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely keen to check it out and I'm keen to kind of follow the progress of Sea of Thieves. With how quickly rare has been moving with patches and updates to the game outside of the hungering deep which is to, which is to say slowly i was very pessimistic about their ability to get hungering deep out on time to make it work when it launched to make it so um it was a sizable update that actually had like a new ish feeling thing to do in it i mm. i was definitely pessimistic um and I think this is just a really great sign that from now on, there will be weekly updates that truly change how the game feels, or at least how the thing you're doing that's new feels every week from now on, which is, that's like all a living game could ask for. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm feeling really good about it. Cool. With that, let's just dive into the newsy nibble. Okay, James, this is, this is a lot of stuff. Um, where do you want to start? Well, I kind of feel like we should start with Pokemon because okay. uh, you've been playing Pokemon Go again recently. So, Right, yeah. Um, there, was a, on, there was a leak earlier this month. We've already talked about it on a mid-jump yeah. uh, extensively. But it was, it was basically, hey, look, there's going to be these mainline Pokemon RPGs, which is something we already knew. But they're not what you think they are. They are mm. Pokemon Go-based console games called Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Um, these were very believable rumors, and it turned out they were correct. On the 29th of May, they put out a press conference that they warned people about literally less than 30 minutes before they did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> leakers kept saying... Look, 
you are going to find out about this game way faster than the than the end of May. And it was getting pretty close to the end of May, and we were like, they would have released, they would have announced something by now, announced yeah. a Pokemon Direct by now. And it turns out they just had no intentions of announcing it ahead of time. They just said it was happening, and all of a sudden it was happening. And they announced five different Pokemon games in one press conference. Yeah. Um, the first is Pokemon Quest. Did you did you check this out? Because it came out. Uh, no, I didn't. I saw. Um, I just saw some of the reporting about it, and I I remember how distinctly minecraft-esque it looks but i right. don't know much more than that i've only glanced so the original 151 pokemon are in this game pokemon quest and you will mm-hmm. find you will you will hear that phrase the original 151 pokemon a few times in this event and yeah. that is a point of contention with a lot of people like why are they releasing games with only the original pokemon i thought we were past that but they're doing mm-hmm. it again uh with mm-hmm. pokemon quest it is a free-to-play game that definitely looks like it was only made for mobile, but did come out on Switch first. Um, it is kind of like Diablo, it, where it's like a top-down battle arena sort of RPG, mm-hmm. except it's nothing like Diablo, <laughs> because you don't <laughs> control your characters. You just you watch them run around with their own agency, and you just press a button for them to attack when you want them to. Or, don't even do that, just turn it on autoplay. It is wow. the most mobile game-ass mobile game I've ever played. And yeah. it's not even on a phone yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, obviously, it has in-game purchases, I guess. Yeah. Um, what, what, are you, what does that get you? So, a lot of it is, like, just bypass the stamina meter. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it, it'll... The, the game works with expeditions where every world has like four expeditions you need to do to get to the main boss and and to go on um every time you do one of those you use like a stamina point i think you get five at once and you fill up while you're not playing the game uh pretty standard bad mobile design yeah (laughs) yeah it yeah it sounds like one that i'm probably happy to skip yeah, I uh, I downloaded it and checked it out just to, you know, it's a new Pokemon game they announced that day. That's exciting, and I wanted to be part of that conversation, but I'm yeah. not going to play it again. That was a one-time play. Um, yeah. The voxel designs, are, I guess, are cool. Be- mm-hmm. it, they're cool because they look like effort was put into them. Um, like, Pikachu looks like a toaster. It doesn't just look like a voxel Pikachu. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, these things were, were thought out. Hmm. And yet, I just, I just don't, I just couldn't care. But it's a good thing. I think they knew that. I think they knew, hey, this is a thing that will make us a lot of money when it comes out on phones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the main thing that we are having this press conference for. That's just like an amuse bouche, a little appetizer. The yeah. big bulk of this press conference was about Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. They were right. The rumors were right. Um I've talked about my thoughts on this game, and it turns out a lot of the rumors were correct. So, what do you think about this, Jeff, uh, James? What what do you, what do you think? Well, I mean, as a as a self confessed non Pokemon expert, right? Um, I the only thing I really would say about it is, um, I mean, I I thought the visuals looked great. I, really, 
I thought, yeah, I quite like the way it looks. Okay. Um, I guess it's it looks like it's pretty pretty clearly targeted toward a very specific audience. Um, I mean, as soon as I saw the trailer, I immediately thought, okay, this is this looks to me as a non Pokemon expert, this looks to me like something that's really not targeted at kind of the long-term enthusiast players. You know, this is something that maybe, maybe those kids who sort of started, um, like dived into Pokemon with the Pokemon go craze. Right. Um, maybe they haven't played it for a while. Maybe they're still playing it. This kind of gives them something to kind of upgrade to, or to expand their experience. And it's interesting because, you know, Nintendo have been talking for a while about putting content on mobile and creating kind of a gateway drug to, to their own platforms. And the way they've been doing that, it has kind of been very indirect, you know, by just releasing specific software on mobile. This is really interesting though, because this is, this is a really direct connection between the mobile experience and the switch and even the way they advertise it in the trailer, they almost kind of make it look like, you know, you've got your switch, you've got your joy cons, you've got your mobile, like they kind of put it all together, like this package deal. And right, it's yeah, just yeah. a really interesting way that they're positioning it. That's, that's something that I kind of find fascinating about it. So if you look at Pokemon ultra sun, which is the most recent, um, we'll, we'll say regular, mainline pokemon mm. rpg even because because they're saying let's go pikachu and eevee are mainline pokemon rpgs um but like i don't know if i believe them when, when they say that uh it, it'll be interesting to see how the community categorizes them after they come out and especially after the next thing probably does away with some of these we'll talk about that next thing in just a second um it, it it's weird that it okay so this is a remake or reimagining maybe of Pokemon Yellow version, which came out yeah. twenty years ago, mm. um, a full twenty years ago. This is at, this year is the twentieth anniversary of Yellow Edition, um, mm. where you are in Kanto and you have a Pikachu as a starter. Your rival has an Eevee. Now there's an mm. Eevee version where you can switch that if you want. Um, so it's it's weird to me that it's focused on getting people. Um, who were new to Pokemon with Go onto a mainline Pokemon RPG, but also it's appealing to people that were around 20 years ago with the remake of Yellow. So I, I kind of don't, I don't exactly know what that demographic looks like, but maybe, may, maybe they know, maybe they just like understand it way better than me. And it turns out the people that were interested in Go actually were, for the most part, around 20 years ago with early pokemon and dropped off maybe that's like the biggest majority of the pokemon market yeah that's a really interesting point i mean I, and i wonder about that too like because i mean i played um i played the what was it pokemon red and blue for the very first yeah yeah i i think i had pokemon red and and i actually played through most of that game but i you know i i dropped off and i never went back to the franchise and um i mean it's interesting i wonder how many people kind of were around during that gen one time and really got into pokemon sort of in the 90s and then 
effectively kind of became lapsed gamers or something like that. Um, right. Yeah. I, I don't know what their thinking is there. I mean, the, the, the only thing I'd say is like, and, and I don't know, maybe there'll be more depth to it when we see more of it, but on the one hand, I really like what they've done with the Joy-Con flicking mechanic, you know, which kind of roughly approximates the flicking you do on your phone on Pokemon Go. I think it's right, sort of yeah. clever. But on the other hand, I'm thinking <clears throat> my memories of Pokemon are that, you know, the whole point is you've got to, you find a Pokemon, you've got to weaken it. And the process of weakening it is that kind of... Um, just you know, that battle them until of... you almost kill them but don't kill them yeah that's all gone yeah. that's all gone it's only the pokemon <laughs> go catching mechanic now um this will be really div- divisive mm. um because it's it's so simplified mm. i'm actually not a fan of the art style for this but i've also seen a lot of people saying that they, they do like the art style it's very clean um mm. it's, it's very very clean and but by comparison, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon felt um, very self-referential to the other Pokemon games in the series. Like they're talking about Sinnoh, which was the region in Generation Four, which you wouldn't know about unless you've been like around the whole time, and mm. the the region of Alola, which Sun and Moon were on, um, was like it was Hawaii, and it had a bunch of foliage, and there was trash on the ground sometimes, and. None of that is here. This just seems like a very, very clean landscape with very basic, rounded shapes, um, mm. which, which I, I imagine I, I heard from a from a friend in in my gaming Discord channel. He said that he thinks that it is um, specifically made cleaner on purpose with with like soulless as a as an adjective to decide an art style is very derogatory, and I don't exactly mean it as a derogatory way, but like it's it's. It's just very flat, and uh, I, he says that it is that way just to make it more accessible to um, to newcomers that maybe wouldn't would be thrown off by a whole big RPG. And I, I understand that, and I think that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, when I saw the trailer, my immediate thought was that art design looks very specifically geared to accessibility particularly for a younger audience i mean if you right. look at any any content made for a younger audience you you're kind of usually boiling things down to you know really simple primary colors and simple shapes and not a lot of visual clutter um and it looks like that's what they're going for um so we will probably talk about this game more in detail as we get closer to its release in november um but, but one last thing I, w- I want to talk about, just like Pokemon Quest, this only has the original 151 Pokemon in it. And for a spinoff, or even for Pokemon Go originally, that was fine. Uh, because those aren't the most recognizable Pokemon for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is a core RPG. A lot of people are weirded out by that. There, It's so fewer than there are. Because there are a total of... 807 unique Pokemon, and that's not even counting, like, different forms. Um, and now there's just 150 again. Yeah, I mean, I um, I wonder if... There's kind of two angles to that. Like, I wonder if... And maybe they've explicitly said no to this, but 
I'm wondering if they will add to this game over time with DLC. Um, okay. But the other it. thing is, you know, like they might possibly do that. But the other thing too is, uh, didn't they also say that, and, and I don't know what language they used, but didn't they also say that kind of a, a quote unquote, like full RPG is coming next year? Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the next thing we're talking about. Generation eight of Pokemon. Uh, generations are usually counted as the main pair of games that introduce like a bunch of new Pokemon, a new region, all this new stuff. Um, Let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee. People were thinking, is this Generation 8? It is not. In fact, the game that they were talking about last year in the Nintendo Direct for E3, where the Pokemon Company guy came out and said, hey, I know you guys were actually upset about our announcement of Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon last week, because that was just a week before E3 last year. Mm -hmm. Um, We, don't worry, we're not ready to talk about it, but we are working on a core RPG for the Pokemon series, mainline RPG for Switch that'll happen uh, in in the future. And mm. before this uh, press conference, it was thought, okay, he was talking about Pokemon Let's Go. It turns out he was talking about something that's not even coming out this year. Not it. Po- Pokemon Let's Go is not that game. That game yeah. is coming out in 2019, and it will be Generation 8. Mm. Um so that is the game a lot of like diehard Pokemon fans are just waiting for. Now that some of them have written off Let's Go entirely as just not their thing, and they're waiting for this new generation of Pokemon that probably won't have the uh, Pokemon Go aspects that mm. Let's Go has. So, I mean, I'm excited about that, but it's it's it is hard to get excited about something I know nothing about while there is this yeah. other game in the way. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and I think you're right. Like some people might check out Let's Go briefly, but they they're pretty much waiting for the real deal next year. Yeah, I uh I personally I like that it's Kanto again. I like that I'm going to go back to Kanto and see what's been going on there cuz I like that place. I like Generation 1 Pokémon and stuff. I'm mm. upset that it really doesn't look like I can bring other Pokemon from other games into this. It's the first game that will be like that since, like, Ruby and Sapphire for the Game Boy Advance. Everything else has been connected. Yeah, it's it's a weird game. And the, the how basic it looks is not, like, my favorite flavor of Pokemon. But mm. I'm, I'm treating this like a spin-off. It's just a thing to do while you wait for the next thing which maybe isn't fair to it but that's kind of how it is there's another pokemon piece of news though that was not related to this press conference recently did you hear about this james uh, a gold and silver pokemon gold and silver beta demo from space world 1997 <laughs> was leaked no i didn't hear about this this is so cool it is so cool it is yeah. honestly this is way more exciting than anything they actually announced yeah <laughs> They put, <laughs> it's crazy. They, they, they have this, this uh, beta demo. Johto, mm. the area that, uh, that Gold and Silver take place in. It's, it looks totally different in this game. Um, the storyline is completely different. They, they found the boundaries of the demo, and it was just basically a, a logic gate saying, if it's a demo, if this is demo version, stop the game here. And they turned mm. that off, so they could just play through the game as... <sighs> as like it would have been and they, they found out that the elite four was going to have misty in it and like all of these characters are going to show up it, it it was a completely different game 
The bicycle wow. was a skateboard. It's the, <laughs> there's all of these <laughs> retro 1990s um, Pokemon things from 1997, which, by the way, is before Pokemon even came out in America. Yeah. For the sequel to Pokemon. Yeah. Um, there's that all is these. So awesome. It's so cool. There's all these beta Pokemon that did not get made into real Pokemon later. Mm. Um, like uh, the one a lot of people are 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 liking is that uh, Tangela. You know Tangela, the the one with it's just a bunch of vines. That was gonna yeah, have yeah. a baby version and an evolution. Neither <laughs> of those came out in Pokemon Gold and Silver, but the evolution did come back in in uh, Diamond and Pearl much later. So there's mm-hmm. there's that people are interested in that. Uh, that's really cool. They're still extracting stuff from that ROM and, and they're still working through it. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, a few more things, a few more announcements in the newsy nibble. Fallout seventy six. Uh, do you have any opinions on this at all? Because well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's part of me that is always kind of semi excited to to return to fallout and to see what they're doing. Um, but I don't really know, uh, at least last I saw, it seemed very ambiguous about what fallout 76 actually is. It looks as though it's definitely not kind of a a normal first person shooter type RPG fallout game. Right. Um, it, it, it looks like more of a, um, some more of a simulation experience or something like that. Yeah, people are saying that it's looking more toward a um, like a survival game. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting. I I put it down for us to mention it so that people don't ask like, hey, why didn't you talk about this? But really, though, I don't expect that we don't have enough information about this right now. It information will come about uh, for Fallout seventy six during Bethesda's E three show, and we'll talk mm. about it then. Um, yeah. But. But yeah, it exists, and we saw it, and it, uh, there was an interesting Twitch stream leading up to the reveal of that, where they basically just said, please stand by for almost 24 full hours yeah. before they <laughs> put out the trailer for Fallout 76. Um, yeah, I'm very curious about this one. So there was a, last but not least, there was a Switch game, like, third-party e3 announcements list that seem to be leaked and and paper lists are almost always fake but this one had uh this one had people that regularly know what's up with leaks uh back it up so it it has a little bit more credit than than normal we see dragon ball fighters uh fighter z getting a switch port we see fortnite getting a switch port that is huge overcooked 2 which is an unannounced game uh, some some other stuff. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, as you said, it's that there have been a lot of different kind of independent reports suggesting that this is real, mm-hmm. um, and it all seems fairly plausible as well. Like, there's nothing majorly outlandish here. Um, I'm the two I'm excited about are Fortnite and Overcooked Two. Like right. Fortnite, of course, because it's Fortnite's huge, massive. It's like the biggest game franchise in the world at the moment. And given that Epic were able to do a mobile port of that game, and apparently it's a very well optimized, like apparently they're very good at optimizing the experience for each platform. I think it will be awesome on Switch. 
The only thing about Switch um, that I think will be an issue is the whole voice chat situation. Right, right. That, if I you mean, need to play I, Fortnite I use... through a phone app anyway, uh, yeah. it's just yeah, why not play yeah. it on the phone at that yeah. point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we'll see how it goes. But like, I, I, whenever I play Fortnite, I personally don't use voice chat. And actually, I find voice chat really irritating in Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I imagine for some players that will be a bit painful on Switch. But in terms of actually playing the game, I think it's so awesome to be able to play a handheld Fortnite that's not relying on a touchscreen on a mobile. You know, that's kind of a bit more of a console-like experience. Um, And Overcooked was so much fun. So I'm excited about Overcooked too. Yeah, if I were if I were to point out the two things in the video game landscape that have the most momentum right now, I think it, it they are the Switch console and Fortnite. So bringing them together is just it just makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a very cartoony looking game anyway. It, it's a first it's a shooter, but it it looks like a like a Pixar shooter almost. Mm. Um, and I I think that art style is gonna turn out really well for nintendo fans that maybe don't pay attention to anything outside of nintendo um yeah okay with that let's go into the hot topic okay let's with that let's go into perusing the powerpuff girl the powerpuff girls brighter oh my god i wrote this and i can't say it (laughs) let's peruse the powerpuff girls bridal garters at hot topic I don't know why I write this stuff for myself. <laughs> um, so the the hot topic this week is just our coverage of E3. Um, it's it's going to be quick. I just want to go through what we're doing so you know what we're doing um, and, and you know where to find us. Um, we're going to be breaking out the Twitch account. Our We have a Twitch Super Jump account that we've had for a little while. Uh, we haven't streamed on it yet. But we will be uh, streaming at least for the Bethesda and probably Ubisoft conferences, maybe more, uh, maybe maybe EA as well. Um, we we will see if we can get at least me, uh, James. We're we're gonna try to get you on. We're gonna try to get uh, other friends of the show that are available uh, just on that stream, reacting to those uh, press conferences as they happen. Um, it going from audio only content into audio only content streaming on top of a video thing into maybe one day video things themselves mm-hmm. is is a trajectory that we're very interested in continuing so mm-hmm. this is a, a big moment for us a big step uh yeah. james do you want to talk about how the magazine itself is going to change yeah so we're um we're, we're going to be adding a dedicated kind of E3 stream at the top of the magazine. Uh, so it'll sit above where the cover story is now. And when you click into that, there'll be a big dedicated feature page, which is just going to be our full E3 story stream. So everything we post about um, is all going to be there on the one page. It's going to be really easy to get to. And I think um, one of the differences with what we do this year at E3 is you know, we normally tend to focus on bigger features that take longer to produce. We're still going to do those, 
but we're going to be doing much more rapid updates during the week of E3. So we're going to be doing right. updates right. every day. You know, there'll be analysis every day uh, and there'll be a couple of writers kind of focusing on that. Um, and obviously we'll be working with you, Mitchell. Mitchell's going to be uh, in LA for us. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Right. On top of that, we will also be putting out a bunch of... Uh podcast podcast which may or may not get their own articles probably will um we we might need to figure that one out called the june jump it's a a list of i think right now we have four of them scheduled they're going to be uh shorter predictive and reactive podcasts between the major announcements during e3 uh that, that will come out pretty much day and date with how we record them which is not usually what we do um so get excited for that, and uh, if any of you want specific things to be talked about on that, go ahead and write into podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. Um, we have a lot of focuses that we're, we're already going to be focusing on. We have appointments with Sony, Nintendo, uh, uh, 505 Games, the IndieCade project, um, the game Metro Exodus, a lot of other individual stuff. But on top of that, we'll just need your guidance to figure out what to really focus on. Uh, we, we do have a listener write-in this week, so let's hear the mail. This one's from Noah, who's known online as Hero of Timpani. It goes, Hello Superjump, I just finished listening to the episode where you guys brought up the Nintendo online service and their stance on Virtual Console. I noticed that y'all stated that Nintendo wasn't planning on Virtual Console at all, but the official word from Nintendo was that there are no, there are currently no plans to bring classic games together under the Virtual Console banner as has been done on other Nintendo systems. That wording gives off the impression that it's only the brand that is being thrown out. There may still be a chance of getting these older titles in the same way alongside their online service, just under a different brand name. Nintendo Classics has a nice ring to it after the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic. Of course, they totally should have said something about this new branding by now, and their NES games slated so far for their online service are definitely lacking, Dr. Mario and Super Mario Bros. 3 aside. But the specific way they've talked about the fate of the Virtual Console so far doesn't make me feel defeated just yet. Annoyed, sure, but not defeated. Have a good show, Noah. P.S. Wario's Woods better be on that service ASAP. That is a real classic with potentially good multiplayer. Thanks for writing in, Noah. If you want to be read on the show like Noah, you can just email us at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. What do you think about that email? Uh, What do you think about the Virtual Console yeah, I, I tend to agree with Noah. Um, thanks for writing in, Noah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm a patient guy, Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I think it's really possible that they could do something in addition to that, um, you know, um, subscription-based service. But who knows? I think there's an element of, of Nintendo maybe not quite knowing what they're going to do with some right. of those things and still figuring it out. Um, I, you know, I'm willing to wait. I'm not too worried about it. Um, I think anything's possible. Um, and I like the name Nintendo classics. I think that's better than virtual console personally. I I do as well. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking, why would they throw the name out? Why would they rebrand themselves when, when something's already known? That's a pretty good marketing thing. Why would they do that if not to indicate that they're 
strategy on putting out those games will be different. Um, I understand that the virtual console is, is just a name, but I think to Nintendo names like that mean things more, more clearly than, than just branding. Um, but you could totally be right. Noah, if, if we're off base, I'll, I'll definitely own up to it uh, later, but not until we go through the after school activities. Okay, James, we have uh, s- some after-school activities to dish out. You do yours first. Yeah, so the, there was a video released just recently by gaming historian, a.k.a. Norman Caruso. He's one of my favorite YouTubers. I love everything he does. And it's just a little, I think it's about a 30-minute retrospective on kind of the making of the Sega 32X. And as you know, I love all of my retro gaming stuff, especially documentaries and Norman's documentaries are always brilliant and informative and they always turn up some new little tidbit that you didn't know before. So um, I definitely recommend that one if you're into retro stuff. Uh, That sounds really cool. I'll have to go check that out. My after school activity is the YouTube video When Bioshock Was My Only Friend by Nakey Jakey. It's a really, uh, I found it pretty impactful. It's the YouTuber Nakey Jakey, which is a fun name. Uh, he's just talking about his childhood, um, his relationship with video games growing up, and how he got through some, what he describes as pretty dark periods, um, mostly because of his video games, uh, specifically his relationship with the video game Bioshock. But yeah, that that's uh, it, it's a really cool video. I, I recommend it to anyone. E3 is next week, guys. Please send your focus requests into the show if there's a specific game you want to cover because we just don't have that much time. Uh, we have a lot of appointments, so if you say, eh, well, they'll probably cover this big thing, we probably won't. We probably don't have a whole lot of time to just peruse the show floor and see every game on there. So email us that, uh, that focus request if there's something you really, really want to see. Our theme song is Battle Against a Clueless Foe. It's by Shane Meza off of his Mother 4 soundtrack. Remember to subscribe, review us on iTunes or CastBox, tell a friend, anything you want to do. And remember, stay super! Stay super!